Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. With us today on Catholic Baltimore is Luciano Lamanarca to talk about an upcoming visit of relics of St. Pio of Pietrocina to the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary in downtown Baltimore, June 14th and 15th. Luciano Lamanarca is an opera singer, crossover artist, keynote speaker, and philanthropist whose international work has supported charitable causes in Europe and the United States. In April 2014, he founded and assumed the role of President and Chief Executive Officer of the St. Pio Foundation a U.S. nonprofit organization dedicated to the promotion of the awareness of St. Pio and his charism, nationally and internationally, by working with institutions and individuals who share the same vision of serving those in need of relief from suffering. Welcome to the show, Luciano. Thank you very much, Chris. Wow, what a wonderful introduction. (laughs) Can you tell our listeners about Padre Pio and why he is venerated for his holiness? Well, Padre Pio he was, is a Capuchin uh, monk, a Capuchin friar, um, who was born in 1887 and who passed away in 1968. Among the many virtues that Padre Pio has been recognized, probably from the many faithful, is the fact that he has received the sign of stigmata from Jesus, and as well, it was famous his many miracles that he has performed while he was alive and still performs today and the fact that he was able to bilocate. Now, those are all virtues that the way we call them, in the way that Padre Pio himself was a very unique saint among saints. Because of, of all these virtues, he was able to, to, to express one life and to share with the faithful of those millions of people that were able to reach San Giovanni Rotondo and meet with the friars uh, while he was alive. We are now today venerating a very much contemporary saint, Christ. I always like to say that, you know, in the case of, uh, of the major saints of the Roman Catholic Church, you know, we have Saint, saint Anthony, we have Saint Francis. In the case of Padre Pio, you have um, a saint who lived in this era. He passed away in 1968, which means 51 years, or 51 years ago. So a faithful might almost feel his presence and touch his own spiritual presence in the way that there are so many materials about him, videos, pictures, and people who are still alive who have lived with Padre Pio. That's uh, as happened the case with me when I was initiated in uh, living or try to live at least by following his teachings. Mm-hmm. He was born Francesco, and forgive me if I pronounce the name, Fiorgina? Forgione, uh, Forgione, close. <laughs> okay, but so how early in his life did Francesco feel a calling to become a priest? Well, letters written by Padre Pio said that he started already when he was five or six years old, when he was stated that in his dreams he has reviewed uh, white sheep and seen you know, the, the case of apparition of the, of the Hail Mary of Jesus. And that's happened again already a long time when he was five, six years old. And then uh, his call for priesthood 
start to be uh, when he was around uh, 15 or 16. And this is the case when, you know, uh, after he has been trained by a local priest, there was a local priest uh, who was actually abandoned the priesthood, but still, you know, it was a uh, um, religious teacher. And uh, he has been taking Padre Pio and tried to provide any kind of education. Now, we do not have to forget that Padre Pio himself comes with a very, very poor family. And uh, in, all, in, in, in all this, then we have a case where Padre Pio himself expressed many, many times the call for priesthood to the level that then, as we know, Grazio Forgione, his father, had to leave the country and come to the United States of America in order to be able to fulfill his son's uh, dream. And then he, in 1907, he made his solemn profession. We know that one of the virtues that he had was just spending long hours in prayer. What kinds of healings did he accomplish during his lifetime? Uh, you mean healing that he, he performed to others? Yes. Uh, well, there are many. As you may recall, probably Padre Pio will be recognized always as the confessor. He has said, you know, there are many voices out there from 12, 14, 18 hours. I know by, by fact that he has spent at least in some days, he has spent up to 12 hours confessing. His main goal, one of his main goals, I'll say, was this whole saving souls. And those, he was able to read the souls. He was able to read the heart of those who were going to confess with Padre Pio, to, to the extent that when people were going to confess with him, if they by any means they have omitted to say a sin, or because they forgot, or because they intentionally did, Padre Pio was able to recall the sin the person of faithful has made and ask for full repentance. And sometimes he was not giving the absolutions. If he didn't feel that the, the faithful uh, was not uh, repented enough, he was asking the faithful to leave and come back when it was taken serious, the act of repentance. As well as the aliens, of course, as you know, in the in Roman Catholic Church, for a, for a holy man like Padre Pio, or for, for a saint to be recognized as such, the Holy See should recognize, I believe, at least two known uh, healing uh, miracles. And one of that, I believe it was that the, the first one was for, um, I don't remember his name, I escaped from, from my mind. It was a 13-year-old boy who was in San Giovanni Rotondo. He was hospitalized for meningitis, and the doctor didn't give him a chance to pass overnight. Well, this is a case where the family who were San Giovanni Rotondo went to pray for Padre Pio and asked for his intercession. The day after, the boy was miraculously healed. Now, this is the um, miracle that the, the Holy See proclaimed uh, as a truth and the fact that expedites then Padre Pio for the beatification and then for the second miracle for the canonization. In lives, I met so many, so many faithful who have been uh, miracles through the intercession of Padre Pio. For instance, if you allow me, I will say my miracle, what brought me, with the help of my wife at the beginning, spiritually support of my wife, to uh, wanted very much to found a foundation who might bring the legacy of Padre Pio, to, to let Padre Pio be more known, and so that people in this country might be more, uh, feel more blessed in following his teaching. In short, my wife and I have experienced several miscarriages, um, starting immediately after uh, we got married in 2010. 2011, on our first wedding anniversary, we went to San Giovanni Rotondo to pray on Padre Pio's body. And there where I met one of Padre Pio's friends, who today is still alive, 
who has been my spiritual uh, director a few years back when I was in Italy. His name is Monsignor Pierino Galeone. It's a friend of Padre Pio, lived with Padre Pio for 20 years and still alive today. And um, Monsignor Galeone, in a manner like Padre Pio, cares a lot of, of, of Padre Pio's spiritual charisma. He is an holy man himself. So he predicted that a son was going to arrive after continuing miscarriages, but not to lose our faith. And he also told me that there was a big plan for me in uh, making Padre Pio known in the United States of America. Now, Chris, bear in mind, that was 2011. Uh, I was in the United States of America. My only goal was to become a successful opera singer, which is my main profession, and to continue that achievement. Well, as Monsignor Pierre predicted, we had several miscarriages. And that day, he gave us a relic of Padre Pio. He let us hand, in, in our hand, uh, a cloth with bloodstain of Padre Pio that he had in a very uh, simple Ziploc. And the moment he opened the Ziploc, the scented of roses, there was, uh, we were inebriated inside the room by the scented of roses, famous to be felt by those who felt Padre Pio present. We, we start crying, my wife and I, immediately after. That's a long story short. In 2014, I founded the San Pio Foundation. And December 2014, my wife said that I'm pregnant once again. And now we are blessed parents of Sebastian. Well, I'm sorry for your losses, but it also sounds like you've been blessed with Sebastian being born. Yes, definitely we were. At least I believe this is the reason why I put so much, so much passion and faith in the work I do, because I have witnessed how great Padre Pio is. And also I try to follow very much, again, everything he has expressed in his life. And that's what I wish for the many faithful in this country, only even those who are not aware about that Padre Pio existed, to get closer to the saint, and so to get close to our faith. Very good. Well, after the break, we're going to talk more with Luciano Lamanarca, President and CEO of the St. Pio Foundation. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Archbishop William E. Lurie ordained 14 men to the permanent diaconate during a joyful May 25th liturgy at the Cathedral of Mary Our Queen in Homeland. The new deacons include three Spanish speakers who all have ties to Father Hector Mateo Ariza, pastor of Resurrection of Our Lord in Laurel. In his homily, Archbishop Lurie encouraged the men to strive to imitate Christ he said that being gentle in ministry means showing a readiness to listen, patience in difficult situations, a willingness to build bridges, avoiding harsh and cynical speech, and rejecting all forms of clericalism. For more information about the new clergymen and to see where the Archbishop has assigned them for pastoral ministry, visit catholicreview.org. With Missouri Governor Mike Parson signing into law a bill that bans abortions on or beyond the eighth week of pregnancy, the state's lawmakers have taken a giant step forward for the pro-life movement, said St. Louis Archbishop Robert J. Carlson. We need to continue to show persistence and determination in proclaiming a culture of life, he said in a statement May 24th, according to Catholic News Service. The Missouri Catholic Conference, the public policy arm of the state's Catholic bishops, has noted the law also features many other pro-life provisions, including increased parental notification and informed consent provisions, a ban on abortions based on race, gender, and Down syndrome diagnosis, and an outright ban on abortion if Roe v. Wade is overturned. For more, visit catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm George Matisek. <laughs> 
Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android. And follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. We're back on Catholic Baltimore talking with Luciano Lamanarca, President and CEO of the St. Peel Foundation, about an upcoming visit of the relics of St. Peel of Pietrosina to the Baltimore Basilica. What relics will be on display for viewing and veneration at the Baltimore Basilica? Those are the relics, the first and second class relics we are bringing to around the country and Canada, which namely are St. Peel's gloves, the crust of his wounds, a cotton gauze with his blood stains, a lock of his hair, St. Peel's mantle, and a handkerchief that was soaked with his, with his wet after he passed away. So practically he's one of the last few uh, authentic relics that you can find around because it was used on Padre Pio just immediately after he passed away. This is a very important collection of first and second class relics that we are making available to those bishops in the United States of America that uh, express their, their desire to make them available to their faithful. And please allow me to say that I, am, uh, I was indeed thrilled and honored when Archbishop Lowry expressed his intention to make the relics available to the faithful Dutch Dutch of Baltimore, and I am grateful for him for allowing us to do so, especially at the Basilica of, of, of the Assumption. You mentioned first and second class relics. Can you explain to our listeners what that difference is? Sure. According to canon law, a first class relic is anything that belongs to the saints, the saints' body. In, in this case, so we have hair. Pastor Pio. You talked about? Yes, right. We have uh, we have a lock of hair, but we have even a cotton gauze with his blood stain. A blood stain is considered a first class. Uh, um, his blood is is a first uh, first class. As well, we have the crust of his wounds, which is a first class. Among 
the six relics we are bringing around, only the mantle is a second-class relic. The mantle is a considered second-class relic because, again, according to canon law, a second-class relic is anything who belongs to the saint. In this case, it might, might have been Padre Pio's cross, Padre Pio gospel, a calice, or the mantle, because Padre Pio wore that mantle, and that makes that a second-class relic. Mm-hmm. A third-class relic, if you allow me, just because I know sure. faithful are always interesting to know, based on the, on the rule, uh, on the canon law's rules, a third-class relic is anything that touches a first- or second-class relic. In fact, the day of the veneration, we make a few devotional items available to the faithful, and if the faithful would like to take a symbol to remember that day, they are allowed, actually, to touch the relics, to touch the reliquaries so that their items, whatever prayer cards or rosary, might become a third-class relic. So can you seal the spiritual moment of this in- important day. We all do allow the, the faithful to touch the relics. We are, we are requiring not to only kissing or picking them up. Of course, those are uh, reliquaries, very, very delicate, and we yeah. try to not to minimize the fact of shaking them. Some of our listeners may not be Catholic, and they may find the practice of praying in the presence of relics and saints to be a little bizarre. Why do Catholics venerate relics? How does that bring us closer to the saints? It does remind us about the saint's own personal life. We are talking about Padre Pio, who, while he was alive, was already considered a holy man by many. And what you do, we always have to remember, now, whatever, as you say, Chris, people might not be Catholic, but at least we know that whatever they are Catholic or not, in many faiths, you pray one God, and you pray God, but you, you do through the intercession of a saint. And that is, makes, makes, I believe, our prayer and request stronger. We don't have to forget that the, 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 the miracles or the graces comes from God, never comes from the saint. The saint is the intercessor. It's like, you know, praying directly to God or praying through the intercession of Padre Pio. Padre Pio himself has said many times while he was alive, and sometimes even denied to, to, do a, um, to perform a miracle when, you know, there were some bizarre requests when he was alive. And sometimes he did say that, Unfortunately, I cannot help you with that because the reply was from the faithful, not as much as it was expected. But even reply, a reply from Padre Pio would have helped those faithful making the request for a miracle, bearing their cross in a more uh, holy way, let's put it this way. So to those who are questioning why you do that in the presence of the relics, because it does seal a spiritual moment. Faithful, why go to pray? To the saint's tomb, for instance, there are many uh, tombs where we can go and venerate the saints. Well, hundreds of thousands of faithful cannot do that. So that's why we bring this spiritual sign of Padre Pio to them so that they might feel more close to Padre Pio and ask his intercession for their, for their health or for uh, carrying their own cross throughout the life. Again, we don't, we don't do just only for, to ask for miracles or for blessing for our family. No, actually, my spiritual guidance has been those... We ask for Padre Pio intercession for him to be a teacher, for him to allow us to bury our cross. Everybody, each of us bears our cross every day, whatever bigger or small. We have to bring this cross with holy, um, holiness. And this is not about worshiping Padre Pio. It's about worshiping Jesus through the work, through the prayers of Padre Pio and the other saints when we pray to the saints to, to ask them for help, right? That's correct, yes. 
Tell me a little bit about the schedule of the events at the Baltimore Basilica. The the relics will arrive on June 14th, and they'll be on display through June 15th. But I understand there are some special things going on those days. Yes. Yeah, before uh, before coming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore, which I am honored to uh, have the possibility of bringing the relics personally, we will be in Canada uh, all next week. We'll be, we'll be covering three dodges in Canada, and we'll, we'll be in Charlotte. And then we'll come to Archdiocese of Baltimore, which will end the, the first part of the tour veneration. And there will be a two-full-day veneration, just to mention the time frames. On Friday, June the 14th, veneration starts at 9 a.m. and finishes at 5.30 p.m. Following, following the, the end of the veneration, uh, Archbishop uh, William Lowry, the, the, the Archbishop of Baltimore will be celebrating Mass in honor of Padre Pio at 6.15 p.m. This is Friday, June 14, at 6.15 p.m. The following days, Saturday, June 15, the veneration will be available to the faithful from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. Just a reminder, veneration means that faithful can venerate the relics in any way, in anywhere within the basilica. We do allow though the faithful to touch the relics. The touching should not be confused with the, with the veneration. A touching is just really to have that spiritual encounter or eventually to make your items a third fast relic or to feel closer. If, if faithful would, uh, would like or we even welcome them to stay longer, we invite them to touch the relics and to stop by the few a few minutes to pray. So because some, we say that because sometimes faithful thinks that the way to venerate the relics properly is to stand behind the relics for as long as they can. That is not exactly correct. That is a touching of the relics, but the veneration can happen everywhere within the church. Very good. As I understand it, the Baltimore visit is one of the only ones in the mid-Atlantic at all this year, uh, certainly on this first part of the tour. And so then where do you go in the fall? What, what kinds of places are you going to? And how many people have seen these relics over the course of these tours? Oh, well, we have estimated at least between 2017 and 2018, there were an estimate about 500,000 people. If you consider that when we start in St. Patrick Cathedral, only between Philadelphia, New York, and Los Angeles, when we start in 2017, only from these three major archdioceses, we count about 100,000 faithful. There was, we, were not, we were not expecting the line of the faithful. In, in, in certain cases for the bigger archdioceses, there we have experiences, which I believe, that will be the case from uh, Baltimore, line up to two hours for faithful to be able to venerate the relics. I do believe that it is a very unique opportunity, and um, I, will, I think we will continue to do this uh, God's work as long as there will be requests. We still have, we do have until now already 15 requests for next year. So despite that, we thought that in 2018 we were going to stop with the Tour of the Relics. We, will, we are continuing to make these relics available as long as there will be requests from parishes and dioceses around the country. That's excellent and good news, I think, for those who would like to, to be connected to the life of Padre Pio and to be connected to his, his faith and his spirituality. Thanks so much for... And if I, if, sorry, Chris. And if I might say, of course, all the information might be found on our website, events, page is www.stpofoundation.org. All the information, all the list of the duchesses hosting the relics are listed on our website. And they, uh, people can also learn more about the work we do. And in, the, in that website named St. Pio, St. is spelled out, stpofoundation.org. 
We've been talking today with Luciano Lamanarca, President and CEO of the St. Pio Foundation, about a visit of relics of Padre Pio to the Baltimore Basilica June 14th and 15th. The Basilica is located at the corner of Cathedral and Mulberry Streets in downtown Baltimore. For more information, visit the Basilica's website at americasfirstcathedral.org and scroll down to click on Basilica Current Events. And, of course, you can also visit the website of the St. Pio Foundation at stpofoundation.org. Saint is spelled out in that. Thank you so much for being with us today, Luciano. Thank you very much, Chris, for having me among your select guests. Thank you. Thank you. This is Christopher Gunty of the Catholic Review. Thanks for spending part of your day listening to Catholic Baltimore. Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator, who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.